You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Okay, Roger, so it was your time to select the film for film marketing, The Banshees of Inisherin, an award-winning film now we can say this and be nominated for so many uh, again. Let's watch the trailer. Callum Sonny Larry. Didn't you and he used to be the best of friends? We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You didn't like me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me, Colin. and if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home, and each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears, and I'll take one of my fingers off with them, and I'll give that finger to you, until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Would you not want him to have to do the one finger to see if he was bluffing like? No, we wouldn't. Because worse comes to worse, he can still play the fiddle with four fingers, I bet ya. Going back to your own gang now, Parry. I'm talking to me! Are ya? Why aren't you talking to Parry no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? You know who we remember for how nice they was in the 17th century? Who? Absolutely no one. Yeah, we all remember the music at the time. Everyone to a man knows Mozart's name. I don't, so there goes that theory. Can't be waiting around for any more of this madness. Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll call it the start. Wow. I saw this two days ago. Right. And I and I've been thinking about it ever since. I mean, like I saw somebody writing, I see on, on the official Twitter um account for the Banshees of Inishirin, it will find your way into your heart and your head and will stay there for a very long time. Do you know, Pascal, this is such a good film, but when I originally saw it pop up on um Disney Plus. I didn't really know much about it. I watched the trailer and thought, I'm not sure I'll enjoy this. Um, but it has an amazing ability to just be incredibly compelling. It sucks you in. And the time just completely flew by. I mean, it, it's not an action packed film. You know, it's quite a sedate pace. Um, 
it doesn't travel around the world the location although stunning the 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 location is stunning it's in quite a compact location it's on a small island off island and it's very very funny um and there are certain elements of the storyline as well which are absolutely tragic but also really quite sad as well there's a storyline about a pony which is as as pet lovers we 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 just found was was really sad but just the way they handled it was very delicate and lovely. I think you might find if I may use the the tone of the the film, it was a fecking donkey. Ah, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, <laughs> pony, donkey, whatever. And 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 again, that the the acting was superb. So I came out of it thinking I didn't expect to enjoy this film, and yet it turns out to be one of the best I've seen for a long time, which is really weird, isn't it, Pascal? Did you get a f- similar sort of? Feeling. Yeah, well, so I became aware of its existence, I think, late last year, you know, um, but then there were, I think we, there was no aspiration they would ever be shown at the cinema. I kind of, you know, f- forgot about it. And I thought, wow, it would be so good to see Colin Farrell and uh, Brendan Gleeson again together. Um, and then it appeared, uh, I think, well, of, of course, of the denomination, then the winning the award, the, the Golden Globes and so on, which we'll come back to. So it appeared on Disney+. Plus. I watched it, and my intention was to watch half because I was tired that evening, and I watched all of it. And as I said, all I've been doing is think about the movie, think about the messages, think about, you know, the, the stories, but the, the subtext uh, and so on. But also, I had completely forgotten that the director was um, is... Martin McDonough. And you and I, literally almost two years to the day, reviewed three billboards outside Ebbing, uh-huh. Missouri, which was one of our longest reviews. So I think this one's going to be the same. And for me, I would agree, I was laughing out loud at some of the, the comedy but also, I was heartbroken at the moment, but also on occasion, completely thrown by some of the the the, the horror. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, we've not agreed on the green room whether we're going to talk more about the film and avoid spoilers. But <laughs> to me, um, I realize what it was as a, as an experience, thanks to the music and. And when the music kind of uh, you know, transports you into that universe, I realize, ah, right, we are watching essentially a dark fairy tale. This is Brothers Grimm territory. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I was, I would say, a little happier with because there was moments when you go, this is going too far. I, I'm, I'm, you know, this is upsetting me. You know? <laughs> and, and then you realize that, oh, I see. We, we are literally in a, um, I think, a fictional universe where you've got those characters on this island who are almost observing from a distance, you know, this Irish Civil War conflict taking place, but they are almost protected from it. Mm. And they themselves having to deal with some form of conflict where one uh, friend, played by Brian Gleeson, column, decides that he wants to change his life and declares to his best friend that and you know, we assume that they've known each other for a very long time on the island that they can no longer be friends that's Colin Farrell playing the role of a Porrick and then you're transported into you're right it's it's enchanting that is to say you lose track of time you lose track of everything you are completely taken by that universe and and what happens in the story is effect, effectively it's a metaphor isn't it for the Irish Civil War that's happening across the across the sea, um, and it sort of highlights the futility mm. of that civil war 
um, in the story that is told. So from that point of view, you know, it acts, as you say, as a fairy tale, but it is also quite a quite a deep social comment on, you know, quite a, a, a nasty period in, in Irish history, obviously. Completely. Um, so so it works on so many levels. And as I you know, said, it's it, just it, incredible. It, it's funny. It's funny. The music is great. Uh, and, and I think I, I came across one bit that said, you know, the, the director was very keen to avoid that sort of cliche mm. Irish sort of folk music that you often get in, in Irish um, <laughs> focused films. Um, you know, the music was, was absolutely on point. Um, and we'll talk about how maybe they blew that in one in the second trailer by using that sort of cliche Irish music. But um, again, the, the the partnership of of, of Corinne Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, you know, in Bruges is one of my favourite films. That was the first time they came together, and, mm. and their chemistry just works just as well <laughs> here. It's fantastic. Um, so so yeah, it's one of those films that sort of didn't know anything about it almost didn't watch it because I thought, you know, this is just going to be a really boring film um, set on an island. And yet, wow, turns out to be absolutely stellar. For me, it was also so that they had everything right. You know, they, they, they were determined, because when you watched the interview sometime and behind the scenes stuff, they were determined to make a beautiful film at all levels in terms of the sound, in terms of the the landscape. I have to tell you, I had little pangs of nostalgia because <laughs> those green hills, you know, you and I know them well from Canadarum to Northumbria to your part of Scotland, all the way, of course, to 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 the west and you know, to, towards Ireland, it was just stunning. Even when it was raining, mm -hmm. even when it was cloudy, it was it, it was absolutely stunning. And we'll talk about how you can make advantage of that. And can I just say, um, we we spoke about awards uh, a moment ago, but I think uh, Kerry Condon, who played um, Gordon Fowler's sister character Siobhan, she deserves as well <laughs> an amazing accolade because her character was just incredible, and she was pretty much the voice of reason in in the chaos that ensued following Com's declaration they didn't want to be friends anymore. Yeah, absolutely, M mega mega acting. Now, from a marketing point of view, Pascal. I actually found this one quite a hard one to do research for because there isn't actually a great deal out there. Um, you know, in the past, when we've looked at different films, you can often find somebody will have written an article about the marketing of mm. whatever it was, Mission Impossible or some of the other films that we've, we've reviewed, Die Hard or whatever it is. But it was very difficult not only to find the exact marketing tactics that they've used for this film but actually to find anybody talking about the marketing at all and and again it's sort of to me testament to the quality of the film that there wasn't actually much marketing going on for this and yet it has become so successful so my only conclusion can be and we'll look we'll have a look through the marketing tactics in a moment but the the marketing to me was pretty basic to be honest and yet the film has become so popular so i can only conclude that word of mouth has played a massive massive role here in elevating this film to the to the levels that it's got to now um it had its world premiere at the 79th venice international wow. film festival on mm -hmm. the 5th of september it got a 15 minute standing ovation um after the filming was done uh it was actually released theatrically um on the 21st of october 
It then went on streaming service on HBO Max on the 13th of December, and finally it appeared on Disney Plus on the 14th of December, and the Blu-ray came out on the 20th of December. So it had less than two months, actually, in the theatres. And there's a bit of controversy about that. I think um, one article I have read that I did manage to find about the marketing suggested that actually Disney Plus potentially ruined theatrical run here by insisting upon putting it up so soon and it's not really the sort of film you would expect to find on disney plus let's face it you know it's not an avengers movie it's not action-packed it's not a cartoon it's not star wars it does it does sort of think what what is this film doing here and i'm, I'm pretty i'm really glad it was there but mm. it is you know what what is it actually doing here and i have read a few people who criticized uh disney plus for effectively curtailing the theatrical run to a certain extent but but just very briefly from the marketing point of view pascal haven't really been able to come across much there was a there was a very interesting poster yeah um, mm-hmm. which is beautiful in its simplicity it's basically got the two characters stood on a beach with a dog between them and the strap line is everything was fine yesterday and even that one line you know you create so much Feel and anticipation. Yeah, that's a very it? good strap line because I'm also thinking about you know how poignant that even the dog doesn't want to be friends with Colin yeah. Farrell. You know, <laughs> so so for me, you know, that's a hint because the, the simplicity, but the, the beauty um, is something that they, they've exploited throughout. Because yeah. when you look at the social media platforms again, there's not a lot of posting going on, and one could be critical to say all they've done is play back, you know, the the the, the praises and the awards and nominations. Mm-hmm. But actually, even in doing so, the the photography is exquisite, and it's yeah. it it stays with you when you go on Twitter, Facebook, and and Instagram. You look at the images, and they are beautiful, just like the film is. Yeah, and the poster itself, you know, it has that image of the the sea. The mm. islands in the distance, you've got that moody sky with the clouds that you've already described there. Even the gloomy weather can look fantastic. So, so yeah, very basic but very um, evocative and emotional poster. Then, of course, the original trailer. Now, the original trailer is the one that I saw before we watched the film. And, and again, the, it sort of hints at the issues. And the, and, and maybe, the, maybe the original trailer didn't hit the spot for me as much as it should have done because, you know, again, it was touch and go as to whether I wanted to watch the film having seen the trailer. But having seen the film, I can now understand the power of the <laughs> yeah, trailer. It's a bit nuts, isn't it? Now, funnily enough, though, the second trailer, again, th- this, this is just, th- it just plays with your mind. When I watched the second trailer, having watched the film, I think the second trailer is a misstep because what they do is they include some of that silly Irish folk music, the cliche Irish folk music, which actually doesn't appear in the film itself. The music in the film, as we've already said, is much better. Now, so from that reason, I think that the second trailer is much tighter editing. It focuses a bit, bit more in on the character and a bit more in the comedy. I think that if I'd seen the second trailer before I watched the film, it might have encouraged me to watch the film more. But having seen the film, I no, actually think that the second trailer is a misstep. So isn't that weird? Isn't that because weird? For me, I was confused by the second trailer because I thought the music was almost like almost like a Western. You know, yes. it's very fast. Yes. It was the drums and so on. They also changed the calligraphy. If you if you noticed, it was like much thicker yellow typeface as yep. opposed to what we see on the poster and the first trailer. 
And then I kind of thought, ah, this may be, and, and you know, again, we need to ask maybe those who are involved. It feels more like uh, the international trailer, you know, the one trailer that fits them, that fits them all. Um, because I think if you watch the second trailer and then go into the film, you're going to feel a little misled. And I think that the first one is truer to to to, to the balancing act between um, I think someone called it a tragic comedy or yeah. you know or, or a comedy drama. But um, yeah, I, I, I never thought of that. But yeah, I think you're right. If someone has seen the second trailer, they're going to be disappointed. I think or, or feel like, hang on a minute. Where, where is the music to begin with? Where is t- the tone of the second trailer in that film? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, incredible. That hadn't re- he hadn't even really um, realized that until I started talking about it. There, that argument just finally clicked into place as we were having <laughs> that conversation. That is beautiful. Um, I came across um, probably the probably the only um, digital marketing for this which a lot of this ended up on social media it's a company called digital media management which we've seen um, in film marketing before they created quite a few gifs and memes based around the uh, you've already said it, it's a fecking donkey um, or you're all fecking boring and a lot of these you know they are instantaneous just one-liners made into gifs made into stickers made into memes and again this is a very memeable film isn't it it's there's a lot of one-liners that you can capture and use and even though this is the only digital marketing that i could find it is very effective because it, again it captures more of the the humor of the film, I guess, rather than the the tragedy. But again, it's quite it's quite it's quite interesting. the The one thing that I did think was fabulous is I came across Tourism Ireland's website. Now, this is a really good example of another company effectively riding off the back of the film and creating marketing for themselves. Now, in the past, in film marketing, Pascal, we've seen obviously product tie-ups with films like um, uh, the, the last James Bond film, No Time to Die, with the product placement and and companies doing campaigns based upon their products appearing in the film. But Tourism Ireland effectively looked at this film and thought, wow, look at the scenery, look at how this showcases Ireland. So they created a behind-the-scenes video themselves. They didn't... Uh, um, and apparently it cost them just over a thousand pounds, one thousand two hundred and thirty to be precise. And it created six million views on YouTube. So they really did capitalize on the beauty yeah. of Ireland evoked by this film to actually genuinely advertise Ireland as a tourism destination. And that's possibly one of the first examples we've come across in film marketing where a company has used that film to promote the other way around, if you like, because obviously Tourism Island have nothing to do with the actual film itself. They didn't do product placement, but they've used the film, obviously with permission, I'm sure, to then take it to the next level in terms of advertising their own services. Yeah, because typically it happens much later. It happens, you know, once the film has been released, and the, uh, you could argue tourism board and the others play catch up yeah. with um, the film release. But they were literally recording and, and accessing footage from, um, you know, in twenty twenty one during the, the filming on the two islands that, that they've got there. Yeah. Um, what is interesting about 
the use of video. So like you, I was thinking, you know, where is the, the marketing campaign? And and I'm wondering whether actually, like the film, you know, a statement from that journalist saying, it will find a way into your heart, into your into your head and stay there. Whether this that's what they've chosen to do, which is they're gonna let it, you know, they're gonna play it cool and it's gonna find its way through word of mouth marketing. I mean, there's this countless numbers of interviews in the US and, and Europe. It's obviously all the award uh, seasons and so on. But when I was looking at the, um, you know, such light, such light pictures, you know, which is mm-hmm. with the distributors uh, on their YouTube video, I, I spotted a, an interesting technique. So what what they've done, they, they have a thing about fifteen to sixteen videos uh, against a hashtag banshees. But what, what they've done, which I thought was was nice, is on the YouTube thumbnail they've got very clear labels. They've got trailers, obviously two. They've got movie clips. And they've got featurettes, and it's written in, in kind of quite bold letters. And I thought, from the point of view, of quickly accessing you know, the, the kind of content format that you want, I thought it was interesting that they chose to do that. And there was nothing convoluted about it; it was just simply writing the words that it is. And they've included, of course, a copy of the kind of twenty-minute-plus special from the ABC channel uh, on the red carpet. And if you haven't seen it, um, you and viewers and listeners, it's once you've seen the film, not before, because too many spoilers. You can hear from the directors, from the actors about you know the, the work, the characters, the developments, so on, and obviously that they 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 had a blast filming this, the banshees of Inisherin. Yeah, and so so my conclusion, Pascal, is yeah, mm. very low key marketing campaign. You know, really not much more than just the trailer, the poster, a little bit of social media digital gif work going on. You know, as you said, not a massive social media campaign on Twitter, really. Um, yet this film has done remarkably well, won so so many awards. It just goes to show it a good film can win out. But I wanted to just get your opinion on this whole sort of the the sort of little bit of controversy in the background that mm-hmm. Disney Plus effectively insisted and forced that early release onto the streaming platform, and. There has been criticism that this curtailed the cinema runtime and brought it was brought out on media far too early. Mm. Uh, we wouldn't have been having this conversation if it had been in the middle of the pandemic, of course. But things are almost back to normal now. Do you, do you think that that's right, or is that just the way it is now? It's in the a film is in the well, theaters for a couple of months and then it's and it streams and that's the way it is. I think so. I think um, it was maybe an experiment. I think the the fight is Disney owns. You know, such light pictures who are also owned by you know a, a mother um, kind of um, a group of companies. Uh, it feels short, though. I will say, when, when you were reading out the dates, you know, from the the first kind of um, event in September, it felt very, very, very tight. And I wonder, and I wonder, you know, so trying to look at the positive, is it a tactic to get lots and lots of people seeing it to praise it to essentially have more of a chance or more of a crack, as they say, uh, at the Oscars and 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 more. Um, maybe my prediction is that as it is going to continue to be nominated and win more um, kind of awards, it will go back to the screens. Interestingly, in France, where I live, it is being screened in two weeks' time. Ah, well, there yeah. you go. Mm. I wanted to ask you very briefly, I know that we're perhaps stretching the film marketing segment <laughs> a bit, but about the title, The Banshees of Inisherin, uh, because I've been thinking about it for days and days and days. Who are the Banshees? What is the role of the old woman? And what do you make of Siobhan, um, Corinne Fowle's sister, leaving the island as well? Mm, Yes. Well, that's interesting now you've come to mention it. I mean, your original 
your original thought is that it's the two blokes who are the banshees mm. um and you know ban- banshees could to me conjures up sort of um chaos doesn't it and and um e- evil misguided evil maybe uh so the, from that point of view their behavior certainly fits the banshee but then the old woman, yeah, she she could be that she could be the banshee. She she was almost always in the background, almost like mm. steering things or observing things. Um, and Siobhan leaving the island—that may be the because the film was an entire metaphor for the, the Civil War. Um, maybe she was a metaphor for just saying, you know, I'm out of here. This is mm. ridiculous. Uh, I can't handle this. You know, maybe people who didn't, you know, didn't um, agree with Brexit might have decided, well, I'm going to go and live in France instead of um, staying in the UK. Um, Maybe it's a similar metaphor for that. I don't know, Pascal. I probably will have to think about that a little bit more. That's exactly what I've been doing for the last few days. And what is interesting, the the director said, you know, he himself, in terms of the way he works, because he comes from a stage background, production background before film, he leaves, even for himself as as the author, lots of doors open to possibilities. Mm. Um, For me, the music really took me into this world of dark fairy tale brothers Grimm, greek legends as well uh, and that kind of things and I, I kind of think that this is all to you know it's if it's a, if we go for the fairy tale um kind of um theme then all the inhabitants of the island are banshees mm. and only some will be able to leave it's almost like um, you know purgatory-esque <laughs> And the only one that can let you leave the island is the old lady, like the ferryman in in Hades for mm. the Greek legends. And, and of course, this could be completely uh, not the intention of the director, but his work is to make people talk about the movie. And we're going to be talking about this movie for a very, very long time, I guess. Not not just us, you know, but mm-hmm. critics as well as moviegoers and so on. I mean, you should see the number of podcasts and interviews online. I'm going to leave you with my favorite line of the whole movie <laughs> because I laughed so much when I, when I heard it. Uh, you may remember um, the, the scene when Siobhan, the sister, walks into the house and finds Porrick with a donkey in the house and she's complaining about it and he says to her i am not putting me donkey outside when i'm sad okay <laughs> and the way in which Colin Farrell delivers the line of you know because he's sad and he's got this little a pet donkey in the house i laughed so much because actually i was thinking one of the things that this character he plays does well is actually sometimes simplicity is always the best way to go in terms of life as well as work and so on. And Porrick has a simple life. He looks after his animals. He goes to the pub with his best friend, well, until he stops. And for me, if I had to go back um, to the film, the more I think about it, the more I think that Colin, played by Brendan Gleeson, is actually the um, character that is least likable because he imposes his fear of dying to poor Porrick, who right now is enjoying life very, very much so. And because of breaking that their friendship, Porrick's view on life in general uh, is impaired. So, But, you know, like I said, we could keep talking about this for a very, very long time. Did you have a favorite moment in the film? Um, I, I I, haven't really. Um, it, it's such a good one. I mean, I, I mean, I thought that the way they handled the donkey dying and mm. the sadness behind that was very effective. It's probably not my favorite part of it, but no. it's, very, it's certainly memorable. 
everyone, once you've seen, <laughs> you know, the banshees of Vinnie Sharon, please let us know. You know, we're going to be kind of uh, struggling to maybe find the answers. Maybe there are so many out there. But this has been episode 94 of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave comments in your places. Until the next time, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Pascal Fintoni and he was Roger Edwards. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates. 